Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Gil Gross, Ian Unsworth with you. Remember to check out all of our stuff at orangefizz.net. That's our written stuff. Social media at orangefizz. Whether you're listening on the radio, ESPN, the score 1260, or on your favorite podcast platform, we thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. Lots to get to, Ian. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Benny Williams's high school head coach, that is the 6'8 forward, four-star in the class of 2021 that Syracuse picked up earlier this week. We'll talk to his head coach, Kevin Jones, his high school head coach. Uh, so looking forward to that. Ian, how are you? I'm doing all right, Gil. I actually just got back from Eugene, Oregon, uh, exploring all the sites and uh, places that one of the craziest college towns I've ever seen has to offer. The nature out there is beautiful, but I'm excited to get into some Syracuse sports. Good to, good to hear Dino Babers uh, talking football and analogies for the first time in a while. Yeah, Babers breaking his media silence. It's been a really long time since we've heard from him, and, and more on that in a little. So, so here were my takeaways from the Dino presser, okay? And I'm just going to list them off here. Some will be direct quotes. I'll paraphrase on some. Uh, the first thing is he said – Let's go out fast. Everyone not in great conditioning will die. So he's basically saying if, if people are going to be out of shape, that's great for us. Another thing he said is that he wants to control the temperature in the dome despite the fact that, there's, that they're going to have air conditioning. So he still wants it to be hot. Um, something he said at the top that was interesting is it sounds like the players actually convinced Dino to release a statement on Black Lives Matter and the George Floyd murder after telling him how much it would mean. So, you know, it, uh, th that was interesting to hear because it really f seemed like it actually came from the players that Babers released the statement, which, by the way, if you haven't seen the statement, I think it's uh, excellent. I think it's insightful. I think it's a really strong statement. Another thing he said is that the fact that Syracuse has a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator might be a positive because teams are just going to have absolutely nothing. He said, quote, their breakdowns are useless. They've got nothing on us. I look at it as a trade-off, and I'm not sure I don't like the trade-off. And one last thing I'm going to throw at you, Ian. Uh, Dino said that for players on campus right now, only two groups of four players that they're calling pods can be gathered in one place. So that's my, that's my laundry list of takeaways from this Babers press conference. Out of those, what kind of stood out to you? All right, so let's go back to that 3-3-5 three, three, and the new offense, the new defense sort of thing. Is Dino forgetting that these dudes have coached before? There is tape of the Sterling <laughs> Gilbert offense out there. There is tape of the Tony White 3-3-5 three, three, out there. So it's not like opposing offenses are going in blind. I really do think not having an offseason hurts Syracuse because they have to install these schemes, these massive playbooks. You have to get this stuff ironed out with both your first and second team defenses. 
And it's cool that Dino's thinking wistfully, but it's not an advantage to not be, to not be able to install these new offense and defense. I got to think you're right on that one. I guess the, the argument, the counter against that is, well, teams don't get tape on, on the personnel within the system. So for example, you know, maybe teams don't really know who that fifth nickel guy is going to be, right? So you can't tell a wide receiver, oh, expect to be matched up on this D back, on this defensive back, because, because this is how Syracuse plays. So I think there's some matchup stuff where maybe opposing coaches might not really know what to expect. But other than that, you're, you're probably correct. So uh, moving on the, to the, uh, the George Floyd situation, I think it's really cool that the Syracuse players stepped up and told Dino, hey, this is something that's going to mean a lot to us if you step out and make a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting earlier during the Syracuse school year when there were issues on campus, uh, a lot of uh, graffiti incidents related to uh, race with racial slurs and stuff like that. I thought it was cool that the athletes – stepped up especially I remember Elijah Hughes going to a protest and football players as well voicing their opinions and letting themselves be heard and this is just another example uh Syracuse is really recruiting some some really high caliber young men yeah uh, Baber said that basically they had a mini zoom and the mini zoom brought him to tears and it it convinced him to come out with uh, this statement and you know people were uh, people were taking notice of Baber's silence on the matter, I think it's important to note. Now, first of all, Baber's, whether or not he needed to apologize for taking so long uh, to release a statement, he did apologize. And, you know, I I don't think it's our place to get into if that apology was necessary or not. Um, but, But one area that I think should be noted is that Dino Babers has always said, you know, he does not want to be known as you know, a black coach. He just wants to be known as a football coach. Uh, And I think that's where the delay came from is that he, you know, he, he really wants to be looked at as any other football coach. He doesn't want to be defined by his race. So that's why I think this was different for him. But I got to say, I mean, this was, there have been a lot of weak statements, Ian, and Dino Baber's statement was not in that class. It was a good statement. Absolutely not. He came out right away and stated his intentions. He mentioned, you know, the numerous injustices that have been happening and explicitly stated, as you said, Gil, the names of people that have been killed senselessly. And it's, he goes on and on to talk about how the team, you know, really impacted him as a coach and also as like a father figure just to make a statement for the team. It's like you said earlier, Gil, it's an amazing statement and it's, it's so much better than anything like the Knicks put out or and like or even, Syracuse Athletics. Exactly. Syracuse Athletics statement wasn't wasn't particularly convincing. No, there have been a lot of organizations with much bigger brands that have failed to hit the mark and Dino did it perfectly. If we just uh go back to 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 football now, um the fact that, that Babers is thinking, well, maybe the hurry-up offense is going to be even more effective with players out of shape was, was interesting to me. Um, and I think the balance is that normally 
it takes practice to go fast. And of course, an offense is only as fast as its slowest player. That's just the mechanics of how it works. So it might be a challenge for Syracuse to play with the tempo that they want to, but if they can execute, perhaps that is an advantage. Of course. And the other thing that you mentioned, Gil, that I found super interesting is controlling the temperature in the dome. I never thought about something like that. Hey, can we make it 75 degrees in the dead middle of winter when football teams have been practicing outside in the snow? Who like that's that's an, that's an advantage that not many teams have because they all play outside. The last thing I can remember is shoot like Kirby Puckett and the Twins messing with the AC so the ball would go farther. Like this a climate climate advantage is not something you see very often especially not in college sports yeah i know the the celtics used to make the boston garden like a sauna um and uh, you know you also had the famous game um the, when was it lebron was complaining about the the it was an nba finals and it, ian i i think i i think you might be able to tell me what year it was and who they were playing but lebron was cramping he got carried off and he was oh this was a he played, I believe it was game one against the Spurs. I and, think that's right. And it was yeah, LeBron, LeBron sat out because he, had, he was dehydrated and had really bad cramps. So players are always cramping in the dome, or at least they were. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is just interesting because you, you have an air conditioning system, and now Dino might ask for it not to be used, which is – which is, I mean, who's going to win that battle, right? I mean, it's, it's, I didn't, who knew that the, the next inner battle in, in Syracuse athletics was going to be uh, Pete Sala versus Dino Baber. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the cramping is that a lot of the time, other teams cheat. I mean, guys are faking these cramps all the time. And I got I've talked to players on the team because I, I think football players respect each other. And I think people in the game have a much better idea of what's going on than, I mean, this is not a hot take. They have a better job than anyone in the press box. Mm-hmm. I've talked to players off the record and they tell me that absolutely guys are out there in the dome out of breath, winded on defense and faking cramps. Well, it's just because the Syracuse offense has a tendency to go so fast. Last year, they were up on the line running screens to the outside. Like these, these guys, yep. you know, 300 pound defensive linemen are moving. Like it's a lot of stress on these defenders to, you know, keep moving, moving, pushing, pushing, play after play after play. But at the same time, you got to think it might hurt the Syracuse offense as well. And another random thing that just popped into my head. If you're playing Clemson or a team down south, they're training in this heat pretty often, and these are natural conditions for them. So does having a warm dome really going to make a difference? Well, the only thing is, the again, the strategy, and I didn't really flesh out my point here, the strategy works, but there's ways around it. Like you can cheat out of it. Like constantly, and, and we see this, we see this all the time. Like when teams, there's no way to stop this. There's no way to stop this fake cramping issue. And, and we see it so often. I, I think when oftentimes when defenses are pushed to the brink, to the precipice, like that's what they resort to. But, and then to, to respond to the Clemson point, we've seen the Tigers cramp. 
we've seen Clemson Tigers cramp in the dome as well. That is true. So it's, it's interesting, you know, but, but that's, that's definitely something to watch. And it's not the first time Babers has alluded to the temperature in the dome. He said last year that he wants to keep it hot. Coming up in the next segment, we'll talk to Benny Williams's high school head coach, Kevin Jones. That's right, Benny Williams, four-star recruit, recruit, class of 2021. He joins us on Fizz Radio. That's coming up next. Gil Gross, Ian Unsworth, back with you on The Score 1260 and a very special guest on the line. It's a pleasure to be joined on Fizz Radio by Kevin Jones, Benny Williams' head coach at St. Andrew's Episcopal School. He joins us with a Syracuse hat on. Kevin, are you a Cuse fan? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, first off, thank you guys for having me on the show. Uh, excited to be here. But, you know, I support all of my guys wherever they are. Um, today we're talking Benny Williams, so I'm a Cuse fan. That's awesome to hear, Coach. So going way, way back, you know, the early beginnings of uh, Benny Williams's career, when did you first know that, hey, this kid has it, you know, he can play college ball? Yeah, I think, um, you know, very early on when we were looking at Benny, um, you know, as a prospect, you know, he always had skills. He always had talent. Um, I think what separated him and taking him to another level, you know, obviously is the growth spurt that he had. So the ability to do – the things that he can do as a player at six foot five turned into the things he could do as a player at six foot eight. Um, you know, I've made him very intriguing, obviously at the highest level of college basketball, um, you know, and the sky's the limit for this kid. And he's a great kid, first and foremost, comes from a great family, high character guy. You got an extremely, um, you know, great work ethic. And, um, you know, I think as he continues to develop his game and he puts on weight, I mean, he's only going to get better and better and more confident and confident. So I guess really the answer to the question, you know, I always knew something was there, but I think that the, um, his growth spurt has kind of transformed him, um, you know, into the prospect that he is today. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, as great as he is, he's got a lot to do to improve his game and get better. But, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that he'll continue to, uh, to work really hard and get, you know, and reach his ceiling. We're talking to Benny Williams's high school head coach, Kevin Jones. Benny was a, a bit of a late bloomer, right? He was five foot nine as a freshman. You probably had to cut him. <laughs> well, you know, actually, you know, Benny had transferred into us after, um, you know, from somewhere else. And when I, when I met him and his family, he was about six, four, I'll give him six, four, you know, ish, you know, um, but like, again, you know, and it just happened so subtly, it wasn't like a, you know, overnight thing. And he just kept getting, I mean, I saw him, you know, a week or two ago and, you know, I feel like he might've grown another inch. Um, so it's, you know, it's gotta be, you know, I could only imagine, you know, you know, teenage growing young man like that, um, you know, what it must feel like for him. And coach, you, you know, you know, you mentioned he's still growing. He's got room to improve. So what are, for the Syracuse fans out there who maybe haven't turned on the tape, what are Benny's main strengths and where are some areas that he can stand to get better? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, look, I, I'm the type of coach that, you know, love all my players, you know, equally. And, you know, sometimes we'll tell them, you know, how good they are, but most of the time it's what you can improve on. 
um, you know, on the show with you guys, being as objective as possible. Um, you know, Benny's a, a premier talent. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's, he's extremely athletic. Um, he handles the ball pretty well for someone of his size. He shoots it pretty well for someone of his size. Um, he's got the ability to put it on the floor. Um, you know, we're, we're playing in a high school league that's produced, um, you know, Luca Garza, he was up for national player of the year. Uh, Sadiq Bay is about to be a first rounder. Josh Hart's in the NBA, um, amongst a bunch of other guys. Um, our program included, we've got a kid at the University of Florida, a kid playing at Boston College. So he's doing it at a pretty high level, um, you know, night in, night out. And we've stepped some things up non-conference-wise as well to just get a more, um, you know, national-type, you know, schedule when we can. But, you know, all the things that I think are, you know, his best attributes are some of the things that I would say he still needs to improve on. You know, he should be become a better ball handler. He should become, you know, a better shooter. Um, you know, any player um, at, you know, at the high school level, you always want to see them get stronger. And it's funny because I look at all, you know, I look at a lot of the reports and I see that he's 180. You know, he's really about 195. Um, he's actually put in a lot of work. Um, you know, during this quarantine and the pandemic, you know, to get stronger. But again, even at 195, guess what? He needs to get stronger. You know, that's the kind of type of kid I'd love to see going to college at about 205. Um, you know, knowing what the, the Syracuse, you know, men's basketball strength and conditioning um, program will do for him. Um, so I would say, you know, those things, really refining the skills, you know, instead of being a very good shooter, be a great shooter. Instead of being a very good ball handler, be a great ball handler um, because that's just going to help him be more consistent. And then obviously for any player, you know, at most levels, you know how big the, the strength the strength piece is. And, you know, that's something he's got to continue to do. But, again, he's, he's, man, he's a pretty hard worker. So, um, you know, when you tell him those things, he's not brushing them off. He actually takes it to heart and, you know, and he'll be working on them, um, you know, daily. So. Your team won the conference title last year and went 24 and four. What was Benny's role? Yeah. And, you know, we were, you know, I never, I don't think I told our guys they were good until we actually won the last game, but we had a pretty good team. Um, you know, like you said, we were 24 and four. We had a share of the, um, you know, the regular season. We won the tournament, obviously outright. Um, you know, we had a division one point guard, you know, it's going to American university. We have a, you know, 6'5", Wayne going to Howard University, um, you know, a couple other, uh, T.J. Gasson, who was a junior for us, he just committed George Mason, um, and then another Division One prospect, um, you know, at the guard spot. So, you know, the role for Benny, again, like all of our players, is you don't really have to come in and try to, try to do too much. Now, you know, with that said, he was our leading scorer, you know, our leading rebounder, um, led us in block shots, uh, was definitely top two in assists on the team, um, which is tremendous considering the, the talent um, that we had on our team and how unselfish our team played. But, you know, his role, and I think it gradually improved and, and changed over the course of the season. Our uh, starting point guard, who was, um, you know, a big-time leader on our team, went down the last seven games of the season um, and, didn't, and didn't play in any of those games. And I really thought during that time that Benny, um, as his game continued to mature and his confidence continued to build, you know, really carried us during that stretch. And, um, you know, we stepped foot on the court, you know, our team rallied behind him and said, this is our best player. And other teams knew he was our best player. And, you know, it didn't matter. So, um, you know, his role changed uh, during the course of the season. But at the end of the year, you know, he was the guy and we needed him to be the guy consistently 
and he has some pretty big time games for us, uh, you know, down the stretch. Ian Unsworth and Gil Gross here with coach Kevin Jones, high school coach of Benny Williams. So coach, you were talking about his role at the high school level. When I watched the tape, I loved how Benny operated out of like the wing ISO situation. And he kind of reminded me of CJ fair almost to make that Syracuse comparison. So where do you see him fitting in the Syracuse uh, scheme? Yeah. Um, and CJ fair, I've heard all kinds of comparisons. Um, you know, and I, as a, as a coach, man, uh, you know, I've always believed, you know, I, I stay away from comparisons. The one comparison that I would say for him is that he definitely looks like a Syracuse guy. Um, you know, if you look at him walking around with his length and obviously if you watch the film with his athleticism and the success that, uh, you know, coach Beheim and staff, and by the way, that staff did a, did a very good job. Um, Kudos to uh, Coach Red Autry um, for the persistence, um, you know, as one of the, you know, lead recruiters on Benny. But, um, you know, Benny, again, you know, like you mentioned, um, you know, he'll, he'll be his own player, but he just has the ability to do a lot of different things, you know, with his ability to score the ball. I think one of his better attributes that people don't talk about a lot, um, not only is his IQ, but his ability to pass the ball. I mean, he's a, extremely selfish player you know he could take over when he needs to but I mean just a really high IQ um, that I've you know I've been fortunate you know to coach someone of that of that IQ level on a team and just the ability to pass the ball um, so I don't you know in terms of a comparison you know that would be tough but I definitely think he just fits the mold of some wings um, as you alluded to that have been very successful um, you know under coach Beheim, you know in that zone um, a little bit of the freedom that, you know, that he gives offensively. Um, and again, yes, he has the ability to put the ball, you know, on the deck um, from the perimeter for sure, attack the basket or shoot the pull up. I think the one area that he made strides in this year was he didn't settle for jump shots. He didn't settle for all perimeter, um, you know, oriented offense. You know, he would catch it from eight feet sometimes and back a guy down or catch it from eight feet and face up from there. And, you know, really helped him initiate some contact, get to the line a little bit, and then really make him, you know, a, a mismatch um, for opposing teams. And, and as you hear people talk about scoring on all three levels, I think that's what really elevated him um, to another level. I mean, he was a first-team all-mess selection um, out in our area, which is a pretty big deal. If you guys have some time, you go up and look at that list, and there's, um, you know, McDonald's All-Americans, on there, there's, um, you know, top top 20 players in the country. And, you know, he was one of uh, two juniors um, that made that that made that made team. Tell us about Benny the guy. Who is who is he off the court? Good guy, man. Benny's a chill. Benny's a chill guy, man. He's not – he's never going to be the loudest guy in the room. But, you know, he can joke around a little bit, man. He's uh, – um, you know, I mess with him on his fashion a little bit. You know, fashion guy. But um, – <laughs> You guys can check his Instagram out for that. But um, just a good dude, man. At the end of the day, he's a good guy. And that's, you know, I think what will help him, you know, at the end of the day be most successful just because he's a high-character kid. He comes from a great family, takes constructive criticism really well. You know, he's got a work ethic. He's got a drive. Um, you know, just a, he's a good dude, man. He's a good dude. All right, last question for me, Coach. What made Syracuse – uh, the creme de la creme in Benny's recruiting process. Was there anything that the SU staff did to really make themselves stand out? Or was it just the overall reputation that Syracuse had that made it the right choice? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, if you talk to Benny, I mean, you guys have probably seen more of his interviews since he committed than I have. But I know the one that I think I saw, he said, hey, man, it's Syracuse, you know, and then going to play for Coach Beheim, you know, a legend. You know, there's one other coach, you know, in all basketball with uh, more wins than him. You know, just like if you saw his commitment video, you know, he's playing for some of the best fans in the country um, in the Dome. I don't know if you guys are calling that stadium now or the Carrier Dome still, but <laughs> – um, I think it's. Know, I think it's to be determined. To be well, determined. It's, okay. It's complicated. But what? But what's consistent is he'll be playing in front of thirty thousand people. Um, you know, pretty pretty consistently uh, for games and you know the ACC, uh, which a lot of people like to think is the best conference. Um, again, you know, I think you know Coach Red Autry and again the entire staff, Coach Griffin, uh, G Mac. Um, you know, they all did a great job. But you know, I think you know again Adrian Autry you know, was the lead recruiter there and he was consistent, you know, over the course of, you know, two, two plus years uh, with Benny and his family. And, um, you know, that was big. And again, you know, the opportunity to play for a legend, um, you know, and Coach Beheim and be somewhere where you're wanted. You know, I've had conversations with obviously uh, G-Mac Griff and, and, and of course, um, you know, Red, but like, you know, even Coach Beheim, you know, somebody that's been doing it that long, you know, knows what he wants. Um, you know, no, you know, no nonsense guy. And, you know, to be pursued and wanted by, you know, a Hall of Famer that carries, carries a lot of weight. Autry's on a real recruiting hot streak here from Frank Anselm to Dior Johnson. And you mentioned uh, Benny Williams's primary recruiter from a head coach's perspective. What's it like working with Red? Um, you know, I thought it was great. What I would say about, and, and, and let me say this, I mean, you know, all the coaches, you know, that recruited Benny did a fantastic job. I mean, you know, we're in the backyard, um, you know, University of Maryland and Georgetown, obviously, and they were very persistent. Um, you know, they, Benny was a priority for those guys, you know, as was um, University of Miami. So all staffs did a tremendous job. Um, you know, I would say with Adrian, I think, you know, the piece that kind of separated some things was, you know, he's a pretty genuine guy. Um, he's very honest. He didn't tell Benny or, or myself, you know, all the things that he could do and kind of tell us what he wanted to hear. But, you know, from day one, he told us a lot of the things that he needed to improve, things that he could do better, um, weaknesses in his game, areas of improvement. And, um, you know, that helps. You know, that helps when you're going through the recruiting process with people that are being very honest and transparent with you um, and you feel a connection. Um, so, you know, his genuine, um, you know, personality and, you know, just ab ability to, to, to connect um, you know, not just with me, but, you know, Benny and his family, um, you know, I think was, was key. St. Andrews head coach, Kevin Jones. Thanks so much for joining Fizz Radio. Guys, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Go Orange. Thanks for coming on. Y'all be good. All right. That was Kevin Jones, Benny Williams's head coach at St. Andrews in Baltimore. We'll have more on the four-star recruit coming up on the other side of the break, as well as... Carrier Dome, the stadium, what is going on with the name of the building that Syracuse plays in? That's coming up after this. We're back on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Remember to follow us on social media at Orange Fizz is the Twitter handle and read our articles. OrangeFizz.net is the website to go to. Well, Ian, what did you think of uh, the conversation we just had with Benny Williams' head coach? 
Well, I thought uh, Coach Kevin Jones gave us some real good nuggets. Uh, I loved how supportive he was of Williams in both the recruiting process and also he stamped his character right away. And that's, of course, the first thing you want to know about when you're talking about a potential player for the Orange. Will this guy represent Syracuse well on and off the hardwood? And it seems like that's what we're going to get with Benny Williams. I mean, it really did seem like uh, like Benny Williams is is someone who Kevin Jones really loves, and you know he loves to coach him. I thought the one thing that was interesting is that he said uh, that maybe Williams grew another inch since he'd last seen him. Um, but as you said, he did he did hit on the character. Um, he did like your comparison to um, C.J. Fair, so he co-signed you on that. Ultimately, Benny Williams is a guy who I think is a huge get for Syracuse. Couple reasons here. One, I like the offer list. Georgetown, Maryland, Miami, that's three pretty high-profile head coaches. That's a really good offer list. Four-star, obviously the ranking is good. 24-7 composite is 47. Um, I also like that Syracuse got him early in this, uh, in this class. I think that counts for, for something. And uh, the earlier you get guys, the, more, the better chance you have that he'll attract more recruits for an even stronger 2021 class. I also like that it fits a need for Syracuse. They need that wing spot. I kind of have this hunch that the way things have been going, there's a chance that Quincy Garrier could be out the door to the NBA after next season. And I know that's jumping way ahead, but that would really open the door for Benny Williams. I think the Garrier thing's a bit of an if, but at the same time, Marek Dolezal was also out the door. So yes, Benny Williams is going to get some playing time, I think, no matter what. He's just too talented not to see the floor, even though Bayheim doesn't like to play freshman. I'm not sure if Garrier will really develop his offensive game enough to make it to the NBA, but either way, he'll be slotted at the four if he does stay another year. Yeah, I, that's, I know it's a, it's a bit of a hot take. I'm just saying I, I think he's got what it takes, and that's just how things have gone. But you, you do make a good point. Dolezal will be, uh, will be gone for sure because he'll graduate after this year. Another thing with, uh, that we hit on um, with Benny Williams is that he's a really late bloomer. It's another thing I like. And Ian, I'll, I'll tell you a story. This is anecdotal, but um, I grew up in Obi Toppin's right, basically next door to Obi Toppin. Mm -hmm. He, uh, he was a couple towns over my high school team, uh, played his high school team, Ossining twice every year. I never heard about Obi Toppin. Never heard the name. Had no idea. Of course, I, I followed high school basketball. I followed that scene really closely. Never heard the guy's name because he wasn't any good because he wasn't tall. <laughs> so uh, it's always intriguing to me when, when these guys have these super late growth spurts. Um, and I, something about that, I always think that maybe perhaps there's a, a bit more upside when, when guys are growing really late. Absolutely. The story that I always remember, Gil, is Anthony Davis. Nobody recognizes him as a great player until his, what, sophomore or junior year of high school because he has a foot growth spurt. And he was a guard who's now playing at the center spot. So as you said, these bigger dudes now have 
very good ball handling ability and smooth jumpers because they've just been playing the guard spots all their life. Right. And now, you know, he shoots up to Williams shoots up to six, eight, six, nine. He can, he's, he's got the smooth jumper. He's got the handles, but now he's doing it against bigger guys that are slower. They can't guard him. They can't get their hands up to challenge shots. So the game just becomes easier for those guys who have the late growth spurts, of course, once they fill out. And that's one thing Coach Jones mentioned. There's going to be plenty of room for Benny Williams yep. to add some strength. Yeah, and then uh, another la last one, I guess we'll, we should probably stop listing players with growth spurts, Ian, eventually. But uh, <laughs> we saw the last dance, right? Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan. They were all kind of trash in high school. Uh, Michael that, that's, Jordan. Got that's good. a real hot take there. <laughs> no, no, Michael Jordan got good. I, I mean, of course, in, of course, we know the Jordan. We know the Jordan. The Jordan gets cut story, but no, no, he as was, a freshman, though, yes, they of were course, kind of. Dennis of Rodman course. did not play high school basketball. Uh, Scottie Pippen, I'm, I'm right. He went to low, Central Ark, Central Arkansas. Yeah, pretty right. So, so he wasn't any good as freshman in high school. A lot of these, I mean, look, they weren't good as freshman in high school. None of them were on varsity. Well, there you have it. I mean, but of course, like then and now are two completely different eras of basketball. And then, you know, we yeah. got middle, middle school camps for top players now. So the world's, the world's changed a bit, but your point does hold some water there, Gil. Um, one last thing I want to touch on about Benny Williams. Uh, what do you think the defensive potential is? Because most of the highlights, it's, he's mixing guys. He's yep. going to the hole. Uh, how do you think he fits in with the 2-3, Gil? He's long. He's six foot eight. I think a lot of people who have watched him uh, think are very confident that he'll fit really well in the two, three zone playing down low in one of the forward spots. Uh, someone who's expected to, to be able to protect the rim um, quite a bit. And uh, I think he, he reminds a lot of people athletically of an O'Shea Brissett or even a Quincy Garrier, right? He's kind of following that lineage and it goes a lot further back than that. But defensively, you look at the measurables and you'd think Benny Williams would be uh, right up there. Oh, yeah, of course. The length, the wingspan, the shot blocking ability. Um, like just coming, even like we saw Elijah Hughes do it this year. And Hughes yes. is three inches shorter, but coming over, just having the awareness to be a weak side shot blocker in the zone is so crucial, especially when, when Williams starts to work himself into the lineup it might be a year with a big man that hasn't seen the floor that much. For anyone wondering about Benny Williams' game at the moment, and of course so much changes, he's got another year of high school left, he, he's not the best jump shooter, and he's still working on his handles, but other than that, I mean, he is, he's pretty loaded in, in a, lot of the, a lot of the other areas. He's athletic, he's long, um, he, he can take it to the cup, so um, I, I like what I see out of Benny Williams. It's, it's really big to get someone that caliber this early in 2021. But I want to change gears, Ian, to uh, the, the name of the Carrier Dome. <laughs> it's hard to even tee this up as a topic, but essentially what happened is uh, Syracuse sent out a press release about the UMBC game early on in – SU basketball's non-conference schedule, and it referred to the Orange's home court as the stadium. I mean, 
how childish is this? Well, it's it's definitely up there on the petty scale. I mean, like what? Like why is this even a conversation? If the words carrier dome are still on the side, it should be the carrier dome. And I understand there's a battle for naming rights and all that, but it's classic. I like I will never be able to look at look at that building and call it the stadium. Okay, right. So so here's the thing. Technically, it's not a dome anymore. It's not. And what I mean by that is it is no no longer, right. It is no longer pressurized. You no longer have revolving doors. There will no longer be hurricane winds. If you happen to open a carrier dome door without closing the one behind you, it is technically no longer a dome, but the only people who would be correcting or are making a big deal out of the dome still being called the dome. These are the same people who say good morning if when you go to sleep at 1 a.m. You say good night and they go, uh, actually, it's good morning, technically. <laughs> With the exception of those people or the people who, who think that 1 a.m. On, on Monday is actually Tuesday and they correct you for saying Monday, those are the only people who are going to have an issue if you call this place the dome. I mean... To me, there's no reason why you get away from calling this place a dome, even though it's not technically a dome. I mean, I don't understand the point in changing the name. It's, always, it's, it's a classic. It's one of those basketball arenas that you'll like, I think the Carrier Dome is right up there with, shoot, Cameron Indoor, like Fog Allen, like just all these places that you say the name you immediately know, like you, I can picture those places inside of my head and the carrier dome is one of those places partially because, you know, we've all been to basketball games there, but partially because I grew up watching Syracuse basketball at the carrier dome. Like I know what that looks like on TV. So just taking the name away, just, I think removes just all the significance from the stadium itself. Let's not end this segment without bashing whoever made oh. this deal in 1979. Carrier bought the naming rights to, to the facility for $2.75 million in 1979, which is like no money by today's standards. But the worst part of the deal is that it was a lifetime deal, which should never be the case for any contract ever. It is absolutely ridiculous. Who the heck signed that deal? I mean, they deserve to be, I hope they're listening because they should feel badly. Um, And to add to the confusion, by the way, John Wildtack also spoke with the media today. And uh, he said that the building is still called the Carrier Dome. And he also curiously said that there are no negotiations that are ongoing right now regarding the name for the venue well, i don't believe ch- him oh i completely think he's lying didn't did it last year there was a whole issue about going from the carrier dome to the dome and now we go from the dome to the stadium it's it's just a whole mess yeah ultimately i think we're going to hear about new naming rights sooner rather than later and we did have a piece about this come out on orangefizz.net on friday the entire Fizz staff weighing in on some new name possibilities. So check that out, orangefizz.net. For now, we're coming up against a break. Next segment, an all-time favorite, Fizz Feedback, after this. 
One last segment here on Fizz Radio. I'm Gil Gross with Ian Unsworth. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. If you're listening on podcast platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate it. And follow us on social media at Orange Fizz. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Fizz Feedback. Ian, uh, two questions that we pose to Fizz Nation. Go ahead and read them off. Well, the first one. All right. So the first one, coming off that last segment, now that the dome is not technically a dome, what should it be called? The options were dome, <laughs> stadium, or uh, something of your own, own desire. So looks like the majority of folks just want to stick with the dome, uh, 67.5% right now. But we had some people who had their own ideas, didn't we, Gil? Yeah, n- not surprising that Fizz Nation wants it to still be dome. I mean, again, th- again, this is ridiculous. And um, we, had some, we had some people basically coming up with their own names. So one, one person said, sponsor, place your name here, stadium. So one person wants stadium. But we also got Saltine Warrior Arena. Okay, so it could be a- an arena. We also got Ernie Davis Fieldhouse. We also got domination in <laughs> so i mean hey what about i think fizz nation these two people who replied make a good point what about field house what about arena how do you feel about that i got i got something different gil if you've looked at any like mock-up of the new roof it's got a yeah. lot of little bubbles in the middle okay so why don't we call it the bubble because not only can Syracuse basketball be on the bubble, they can also be in it at the same time. Ah, very good. Very good. My, my nomination, you know how I, how I feel about this. I made myself very clear in the last segment. I think this is ridiculous that we can't just continue to call the dome. And uh, if, as I wrote in my, in my piece on orangefizz.net, I like the, the Tostitos dome. I think Tostitos is the sponsor. That's the right sponsor for us, okay? Everyone loves their dome nachos. Uh, nachos <laughs> have become very synonymous with the dome. It's a big enough brand, right? Um, you know, I mean, look, we love Hoffman's hot dogs in central New York, right? I don't think Hoffman, I don't know, maybe, maybe they can prove me wrong, but I think Tostitos is both big enough and on brand enough. I like the Tostitos dome. If any uh, dish soap company uh, wants to, get on this bubble idea talk to my people uh second question (laughs) here on the orange fizz twitter sphere we're talking basketball has syracuse basketball's recent recruiting run changed your mind about the program's long-term trajectory yes or no question and most of fizz nation thought yes 62.8 percent saying that both the polls of frank anselm and benny williams have made them turn anew and be positive about this basketball program. Well, uh, Anselm, and I, I agree. I, you know, people have gotten down, and th- there's certainly been a decline in recruiting in recent years for Syracuse, and people have gotten down on it. But look, Frank Anselm filled the need that Syracuse fans were dying to get filled. Not that he's this plug-and-play stud, but still another piece, another potential five for the future. Syracuse was in need of that. 2021 off to a good start and Dior Johnson waiting in the wings. By the way, shout out to Adrian Autry, Coach Red. All three of those guys are from Coach Autry. 
Autry's been doing a heck of a job. One other guy uh, who could be coming up to class 2021, Mac Etienne, yep. center out of Suffolk, Indiana. Big name and big dude who could make a big impact in that 2021 class, but that's all in the future. Uh, yeah. Gil, anything you want to say before we close it out? Yeah, I mean, I think Mac, Mac Etienne would really round out that class. And by the way, Syracuse doesn't have that many roster spots to fill. There's a lot of returners. So don't expect the class of, of 2021 to be a really big class. We're looking for quality, not quantity. A good start with Benny Williams. Hope everyone enjoyed Fizz Radio on the score 1260. And Gil Gross and Ian Unsworth, thanks for listening.